there are so many people who want to innovate. But you know what? Getting there requires risk. It requires extraordinary effort. And we're saying it helps to hang out with people who are known innovators, who do it every single day. Welcome to our Wednesday live event, Innovation and Audio. This is where it gets done. We talk real innovation. My name is Lloyd Ford, and the work I do helps local radio brands, local cluster strategy, personalities, and broadcast companies with Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works. If you own a radio station, you've probably experienced what we call music drift and how that can take your music and your ratings off course. Call us about our music lab, which prevents music drift and improves ratings, or how our morning show fame development coaching puts the accent and the action in the right places to build opportunity for robust ratings growth. We know how to do it. Some local radio companies uh, start talking with us about our branding candy. It's a good place to start for local radio. You can ask us about encouragement too. It's one of our many services to our clients. If you know somebody who's looking for fresh answers, we'd love to help. Reach out anytime, F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. This live event is also a part of a podcast series called The Encouragers Innovation and Audio Podcast and will become available within about an hour or less from the very end of this live event, wherever you get your podcast. Our thanks to Joe Kelly for producing our podcast events at JustJoeProductions.com for creating audio footprint and distributing them. Today, we are going to visit with some real innovators. Mike Gadsby is with us. He's the co-founder and chief innovation officer for O3 World, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I know what you're asking. What in the world is that? Boy, are you about to get an eye and an earful of that, because we're going to tell you all about it. Mike Gorell is with us, too, and he is a national TV voiceover talent. He does radio. He does a lot of things with his voice. We will be speaking with him about that and what the world of innovation does for him. Before we get started with our current guest today, that's right, I'd like to give a quick preview of what's coming next week on Innovation and Audio, Wednesday, October 6, 2021. Amy Davies, the CEO of First 30 in Toronto, will be with us sharing her expertise and how she deals with innovation, people, and behavior. You do not want to miss that. See our full upcoming guest calendar on our free blog section at RainmakerPathway.com. That's also, by the way, where you'll find free encouragement for on-air and promotions with our more than live and local guest series and more encouragement for local sellers with our encouraging sales success series, as well as free resources for anyone who works in radio and audio today. We don't lock away anything on our website, and we don't do that the way some other consultants do because we believe that there is a theory of abundance. Ask me about it sometimes. I'll be glad to share it with you. So go to RainmakerPathway.com, and you can go anytime, see what you can get for free from our team. Let's talk to today's guest right now. Now, listen up, because this is going to be fun. Mike Gadsby is the co-founder and chief innovation officer of Three World Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. The work that they do is zeroed in and focused on 
customer experiences, experiences. There's a lot of focus on the future and on this word experiences in what they do. Listen to the way that Mike and his team say it themselves, quote, we help bold teams figure out what matters most to their customers. We do this by uncovering data and insights to better understand how to weave solutions into customers' lives seamlessly and contextually. Our partners count on us to make the complex simple when it comes to integrating technology into all areas of their business to solve existing problems, unquote. Mike, welcome to the Encouragers Innovation and Audio. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Lloyd. Thank you for having me. Dude, I got to tell you, what, that thing, that quote from your website is, is the first, it's really a great thing because uh, uh, I'm just going to, I'm just going to focus in on a few words here. Okay. Because people don't think about how important this is. Our partners count on us to make the complex simple. That's what smart people really do, right? Uh, yeah, I, I would say it's it's actually the the hardest part of our jobs is really. Well, and, and I, no, I it is. Funny. It, 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 how often you know we get tasked with you know uh, making messages concise or you know simplifying processes or you know really just making people's lives you know a little bit easier and better and and the the anticipation I think uh, certainly from clients but people in general is that making. Making things simple is is easy, but it's it's it is quite complex, and it's 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 got a a lot of challenges that we are faced with regularly. Well, and look, this is the reason that we invited you on innovation and audio because because look, that thing of making the complex really simple that is innovation, okay? Because new solutions have to be invented and they have to be simple for teams to follow so that execution can be as good as strategy, right? Absolutely. So. So look, they all they always say start with the founder. Yay, guess what? I did. So okay. So you have a degree in economics from the University of Pennsylvania, which made me scratch my head a little bit. What <laughs> does that background in economics, very serious, give you every day in the experiences business? I'm not sure that it gives me a whole lot if I'm being honest, but uh what it was funny. I think when I when I decided to um pick a major in college, I, I, I had this sort of, um, I had an interest in, in the sort of cross section between psychology and business, right? I, the thing about economics is it really sort of, um, takes, um, human behavior and it, and it sort of creates structure around it and, and mathematics and, and, and statistical assessments to really understand, uh, why people do what they do and, and, and particularly within the context of economies, right? So right. that, that was initially what was so interesting to me. I, I think at Penn in particular, why it was interesting was it also allowed me to um, pick and choose a whole lot of courses at Wharton, uh, which was uh, really sort of a nice uh, uh, thing to do. I got you know to take marketing courses, finance courses, et cetera. So it just gave me a wide swath of background as it related to just, I would say, business in general. Uh, but then truthfully, I got into design as an elective towards the end of college. Mm. Uh, and we're talking about the late 90s. And, and that fortunately included uh, web development as well, um, although very different back then. Um, and you know, right. so all of that just sort of added up to uh, the career path I eventually ended up on and, and kind of where I'm at today. 
Well, and we talk about path a lot, you know, because uh, look, it's not usually the economics guy that ends up being so focused on experiences, right? Did mm-hmm. did that evolve over time in working with a variety, wide variety of clients and challenges that that face these clients? Absolutely. So l- let's back up here. So I, you know, I really um, put myself into a few different categories, right? Like I started out as a multidisciplinary designer. Now we're going way back, right? This is late nineties, like 2000, 2001, you know, just getting out of college. I went and worked at a, a branding agency up in New York. And the really cool thing about that job was I got to design all sorts of things, everything from um, brand strategies and identity systems to um, packaging for Barbie, you know, and what you start to realize as a designer is it's never, it's never one dimensional. You're constantly dealing with two to three dimensions and often four dimensions. And, and what you start to recognize is the experience of using the things you're designing, um, that really to me was always holistically a designer's job was, okay, well, you're not just in charge of making this look nice. You're in charge of making it work well. And you're making sure that when somebody picks it up or clicks on it or looks at it, that the action that they take because of it is ultimately the thing you are accountable for. Um, so I, I firmly believe that it's always just been my perception of the work we've done. I think over time, the the world and around particularly around the digital space and particularly around uh, digital products uh, the web etc uh, really uh, forced this concept of experience into several categories it was you know first it was user experience and then we all became you know user experience experts and now uh, the term is is customer experience, and what we're thinking about are several user experiences that are interconnected, right? So, so I, I, right. I think it, I think it just sort of started with our idea of um, or the idea of just like designing well, and then it just got it just got kind of picked apart and recategorized, and and now that's where we're at. Well, and look, you know, this is a fast moving world of. Uh, you talk about technology, you talk about design, you talk about uh, art direction, you talk about experiences. We had a guest on Innovation and Audio a couple of weeks ago that talked about, hey, hey, stop saying experience like that, say people. So, you know, people are not like users, they're people, right? I, so I couldn't agree I see, more with that. that it's, it's I figured that you would. Yeah. Of course, I see that you've done all this work with Children's Hospital, SEI, Comcast, Five Below, Vanguard. That That is a pretty diverse group of clients. How do you deal with clients that come to your company with completely different problems or companies that are experiencing, I guess, are companies also experiencing more of the same problems in 2020? Well, I would say this, what you see uh, more than ever is the influence of consumer experience on every type of experience, right? Like if you look at the best experiences out there right now, I'm going to use Amazon as an example because I I just truly believe, particularly during COVID, during quarantine and and just, you know, how much we were relying on Amazon to deliver everything we needed, right? And still do. Like 
that sets a bar that's very high for what you expect out of something as a, as a consumer, right? I expect to have one touch access to the things I need. I expect them to be delivered to me within a very quick time frame. I expect the, the, if I have a problem, I can easily resolve that problem without any issues. Right. So Mike, I, I have a different word for this and it's come to me recently in doing research related to radio and television. Sure. It's this word, Mike. Consumers, they want control. They want control of the process. They want control of the experience, right? Yeah, I I don't. So, yes, I'll I'll agree with that. I would I would add, though, that in in my in the work we do, what I see is what they, they want control, but they also want they want it personalized, right? They want it to be predictive and proactive, right? Yes. They want to make they want it to be as easy and intuitive as possible. Hell, they don't even really want to do it. <laughs> At the end of the day, they just exactly want, if, I right. out, if I run out of you know uh, whatever, I, I run out of sugar in my kitchen. I just want the sugar to reappear, right? Like that's the ultimate ideal end state for that experience, right? So, so yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that, but I, but I think it's it's just this idea that like people just want their world to be effortless because they have so many things they got to deal with. The more you can pull the sugar problem out of there, the better off you're going to be, right? Oh, so, you're so right. Question, though, as as far as just how that all relates, and particularly across the different brands and whatnot, uh, what we see now more than ever though is the need to be. Um, hyper-focused on how you tie together these experiences, regardless of industry, regardless of whether you're B2B, B2C, B2B2C, or whatever the case may be, um, all of it you know, really revolves around the same basic tenets of make it easy, make it intuitive, make it effortless, and, and you know, when the best cases, make it delightful. You know, it's interesting you talked about when you were in college and how things have changed so much. I think part of this, this control thing or this do it for me or make it easy or all that, the expectations have been elevated so much since about 2007 with things like Facebook and Twitter and now TikTok and I mean, and Amazon, of course, which you already brought up, right? So look, when people in charge of a brand in 2021, when they come to you, okay, what did they struggle with most when it comes to customers and especially customer service, in your opinion, or, or experiences? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll so I, I believe there are a lot of foundational aspects of the customer experience now that in order to deliver it well, um, you have to be really good at. Um, but the number one thing more than anything right now is data and insight. Um, if you don't have a real strong grasp of who your customers are, what they need, and then you're able to act on that, um, you're going to have a hard time um, because not only um, are we leveraging data and insight on a regular basis to make decisions, but those decisions and the systems we build now are automated. So they are acting on consumer behavior in real time. We have systems that, I mean, if you think about you know, any experience you have, Spotify is one of my favorite examples, right, is where, you know, when you look at, you know, any number of, um, you know, tools that are out there, like, because I listen to one thing, I get a, a very specific list of other things that it's, it's going to serve me up, right? Exactly. And it's doing that based on my behavior. 
Amazon works the same way. Most like Facebook, I mean, all of these systems are really working off of that data to, to give you the best experience possible. So when we talk to clients, it, a lot of those discussions, uh, first and foremost, are start and, and, and around data and I would say that's the biggest challenge for most of them is like do you have the right data are you mining it correctly does it live in the right spot uh, all that now it might be a rather unsexy answer but it's the truth because it what it means is is that you're really understanding you know who you're creating this experience for and 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 how you're actually relating to them um, the the analogy I make all the time is like you know when you get to know somebody you know, the first time you meet somebody you don't you know a little bit about them so maybe you have a little bit in common and you get to know each other and you start to talk a little bit but the longer you know that person the more context you have the deeper the relationship can get and then over yeah. time it's like it's like me and my wife now we like we finish each other's sentences like i can say things like hey where's the thing and she knows exactly what i'm talking about because okay mike day, i'm because I'm where writing I'm going, that. I'm I'm writing that down right now. Mike's got the whole wife thing figured out. That's really <laughs> well, you're calling that. the ball. I don't so, know about that, but <laughs> but it is it is interesting. Now we deal with innovation on innovation and audio all the time. It's one of the reasons we wanted to talk with you directly. Innovation is in no way a foreign concept to you. You started your own boutique design agency long before O3 World. What is it about innovation that you like so much, Mike? I, you know, I think it's how you categorize. So innovation is one of these terms, first of all, that I think has been used and in, in, in reused so much over the past few years. It's sort of lost its way. Um, I, I I think there was always an idea that innovation meant like new technologies and it meant robots and it meant, you know, big tech and it meant it, it just felt like this like, you know, big futuristic thing. The reality is, in, in my mind, innovation is about solving problems and it's about solving problems in, in new ways that we haven't considered before. And that to me is what's interesting uh, about innovation in general, right? Like we get tasked with not just solving a problem, but differentiating while we solve the problem, thinking about mm -hmm. the problem within a new context. That's innovation. And, and I would say it, one of the, I think, most fascinating things that I saw come out of, um, or I mean, I think we're still in a pandemic, but certainly within the, the, the first year, um, was how much innovation started to look like going back to solving old problems in a new way, right? All of a sudden, you know, how we had to have meetings every day, you know, we were, we were using Zoom or whatever, you know, um, virtual, you know, host you're using, right? But right. reality is, 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 you know, those are still just meetings. Are the processes we have to have for having those meetings, the notes we have to take, all of these things, all of that stuff was stuff that we had figured out a long time ago. Now we just had to restructure it and rethink it a little bit. So to me, that's all still innovative. It's just a matter of how you solve those problems. Exactly right. And some of them just brought, you had to deal with those a lot faster. That's so right. O3 World works with digital products, right? Uh, and applications, digital strategy and innovation, experience design, that's kind of cool, technology and development and websites and e-commerce. One of my favorite things that's on your actual website is that you are saying that it's the experiences that matter so much. I think so many people 
right now, today, in today's busy world, they miss this idea about experiences. And, and I do think that experience is the innovation that matters. Can you tell us how you weave all of these things together, technology, experiences, uh, all of these things that you work with together for your client to, to come up with solutions? Yeah, I, I, let's start with this. So it, it all starts with a deep understanding of a customer journey. And we have all sorts of workshops and methodologies we do for this. But at the end of the day, there, there's like four, four primary phases we look at. We look at uh, awareness. So how are you finding out about a company product service, right? Acquisition, how are you turning from a, a prospect to a customer? Right. And what's that like onboarding experience look like the purchase experience, et cetera. We look at, we look at retention, right? Okay. Now that you're a customer, how are we keeping you engaged? And we look at support. You got a problem. How do we turn problems into opportunities? Right? So when we look at, we, we start there, all the technology in the world, is it going to mean a lick of good? If you don't have a firm understanding of the existing customer experience, where the gaps and opportunities are and where you're going to have, um, the most, or deliver the most value back to the customer. When you know that, then you can start to weave together a plan that executes upon that. And and one of the things to, to think about here, right? So so we, we're looking at that as a customer journey. Um, oftentimes we'll look in like healthcare more along the lines of like a patient journey, or we'll look along the lines of maybe it's an internal administrative journey. So, so it's not always sort of um, baked that way, but in any of those cases, you don't necessarily have to solve the problem with the new whiz banger technology, you may solve the problem simply by fixing a process, simply by getting another human in the mix or maybe decreasing the amount of humans in the mix to really get to the solution, right? So right. I think the, the key is really having a clear understanding um, of that customer journey, making sure it's data-driven so that it's not the perception of um, our clients of what that journey looks like. We wanna look at data, we wanna talk to customers, we wanna really make sure we have a clear understanding of all the touch points and what they really go through. And then that gives us a really good sense of, okay, here we go. This is, this is where we, we can really deliver that value. And, and, and then that's how we start to piece together a plan. I love so much that you start with data. And I feel like people on this event or people who listen to the podcast who are in sales, they will recognize this and go, Oh, 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 he's starting with questions. What do you know about your business? What do you know about your customers and how do you know it? And that's a great, that is such a great place to start. We all know that the consumer world is changing. I mean, it, it's shocking to some people because they kind of been resting on their loyals, uh, you, you know, a little bit. So habits, even, even how they want uh, to experience media and the world in general, uh, because of about 14 to 15 years with developing social media, things have just shifted. Do clients come to you knowing how important experiences are, or do you find yourself and your team sometimes teaching that as part of the innovation to their practice of business today? A little bit of both. I would say more than ever now, you you see how important experience is to successful business. Um, I would say what, what I find is interesting is when experience and innovation are rooted at the sea level at the highest levels of an organization that's when you're going to have the most success so basically the 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 
Well, we get brought in because the, our stakeholders are really understand what we do and are really tapped into the world we're in um, and know that, uh, you know, the basically put us seven steps ahead of the game. Those are the best opportunities for us because it, it it's like, you know, you're, you're starting at the pros, you're, you're not having to work up from the amateur levels to get there. Right. And, and that's a, it's a really good place to be. That said, uh, you know, I'll say this too. There, there is a lot of opportunity for companies who strive um, for innovation, um, mm-hmm. but just need a little bit of a roadmap on how to get there. And we, we're very successful there as well. And and it's rare we have somebody who like we have to like convince that innovation experience is important. It's more so that we have to help them to understand what a path or what a journey looks like and how to get process, there. right? Yeah. Well, a process for sure, but even just mindset. Like I'll give you a for instance. Mm. Oftentimes you get um, the, the worst problem I see with a lot of clients is is they, especially those who are developing, say, software application, right? Um, what they'll do is they will build product roadmaps based on loudest voice in the room. Right. They have a big client. Oh, that's a big problem right there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They got a big client who needs, you know, certain features or functionality build. They feel like, okay, well, we absolutely have to do this, et cetera, et cetera. What they fail to recognize is that a voice is still just a voice. There are probably a thousand other voices there that they're maybe not considering. So just even changing the mindset to, all right, I have to be tapped into everyone. I have to be tapped into all of the touch points around my experience, not just this little widget or this dashboard or this sign up process. Like it's the whole thing I need to do. And I think that that change in mindset uh, and really evangelizing that and having that become a cultural shift within an organization is really where you get the the best bang uh, for your buck when you do the work. All right. Now, this is uh this is really where the question becomes really intense. How much emotion plays a big role in customer relationship in the 21st century? I'm not talking about just between you and your customer. I'm talking about between them and their customers. Totally. Uh, I would say, I would say I, I'll take it one step further. The, the craziest thing now is measuring emotion <laughs> and really wow. looking at uh, data points where you can understand things like happiness and frustration and sadness. And we look at actions. There's a, there's a program we use. I, I, um, the name is escaping me at the moment. Um, but it, it actually has a a metric called rage clicking, (laughs) which really means that somebody's frustrated and they're just going to start jamming on their, on their, you know, their, their, uh, tablet or their phone or, and they're just, and we've all had that experience, right? Right. Well, that's an emotional state. And that emotional state is the thing that we want to know and understand the most. Right. So I would say emotion and on getting to, um, the, the emotional sort of reaction to the experiences we create is really like, that's that's the that's the ultimate outcome right we want happy content customers that's an emotional state that's not a that's not a metric per se that that like you know we 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 look to like really like get after but we want to have some quantitative measure of of what that looks like so that we can say yeah okay so people are happier now right Um, and there's all sorts of things out there you can use for that but 
I would say that it's it's critical. Um, it is the thing that you know we talk about more than more than anything when we start talking about um, gaps and opportunities in that customer journey. Is where where are people frustrated? Where are they unhappy? Why are they unhappy? What does unhappy mean? Right? Is unhappy just a, a state of frustration, or is is unhappy like honestly it, it may be in certain cases a, a state of sadness? Right. Like mm-hmm. it, those are those are real things that we need to kind of turn on their heads. So it's uh, it's critical. And, and I would say ultimately it's it's where the big brands are, are um, making the most headway. It's very interesting that you say that, you know, I find your staff, by the way, to be fascinating. And, and here's the question it leads me to. And I already know that you are a data guy, which makes you my buddy, because I always tell clients, you know, if you don't start with the data, you really might be lost from your starting point. How much engineering is involved in the experiences O3 World helps clients create? All, all the time. Uh, so, because you don't have just one data person, you have a bunch of data people. Well, no, I noticed. So, so we have engineers, um, and and that's what I mean. With, yeah, I mean, and and then you you have all sorts of sort of data folks that we engage with, um, depending on what we're doing, but but. I'll go back to something I heard a long time ago, and I don't know who I heard this from, so forgive me, I'll probably butcher the statement, but ideas are just ideas, right? An idea doesn't mean a lick of good, right? Like, every time I sign an NDA, I sort of chuckle because I'm like, all right, what do you got, right? If you can't take that idea and put it on train tracks and and bring it to life, it's not going to matter. Right. Like I think about a good example is flying cars. Right. We all, you know, think back in the day, the back to the future, right? the flying DeLorean. Right. And we all were yeah. just expecting flying cars. And, and we're way past that date now. Right. Was that like 2015 or 2014? Mm. Whatever that was. Right. So we all we want the Jetsons. You're right. We expected flying cars by now. But you know what the reality is? Flying cars are really hard. <laughs> if you go yeah. talk to engineers about the reality of trying to create flying cars and traffic patterns and 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 you know situations where those cars won't crash and and, and kill people and like all of these things, mm. insurance. How the hell do you insure flying cars, right? There's Please. All of- how, how about this? Okay. How about crashing into skyscrapers and buildings? Totally. And, I mean, you're, the, the damage is unbelievable. Totally. You're, talking about, you're talking about unleashing personal hurricanes is basically Absolutely. what you're doing. But that's what engineering is, right? Engineering is really um, constructing a solution from an idea and really bringing it to life and really looking at all of the aspects that you have to think about in order to really make that happen. So, so if I think about... Um, any experience that we're coming up with. And a lot of what we do as a um, starting point for a lot of clients, uh, we do that customer journey work. And then what we'll do is we'll help them sort of visualize ideal experience, right? We'll, we'll create right. you know, prototypes and we'll mock-ups and we'll, we'll make them, you know, really interesting and, and really look out two to three years. And this is ultimately where we're going. Mm-hmm. But we apply that with a technology roadmap. We talked about how, okay, well, we could piece together these several solutions in order to get there, or we could think about it from this perspective or that perspective, because without the engineering component, none of that matters, because then all you're doing is, is again, creating pretty pictures and and nothing is ultimately going to get done. So it's it's critical, it's foundational, and it's, um, it's important for, for kind of everything we do. All right, let's do this. I want you to give us some encouragement, because look, we, we all deal with customers. Uh, hopefully, 
building relationships with these customers. How does focusing on customer experience specifically give businesses an edge today that goes beyond the products and services that they sell? So let, let's just zero in on the on the the kernel of the thing. Uh, well, let me say this. So best companies in the world are obsessed with, with customer experience. Yeah. Um, we talked about Amazon, Apple, Google, et cetera. Those, those, those top big companies, you know, on the stock exchange that are doing, you know, the, 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 the big work, they're all obsessed with customer experience. So if you just are looking for like how important it is, there you go. Right. Um, mm -hmm. the, importance of it is as far as the edge it gives you i think it's also an area where you can really define differentiation and you can really find opportunity for organizations as, as well um just as a, a quick you know anecdotally here right like i i remember how many clients we used to talk to where they used to struggle a lot with um like why are we different how are we different than this competitor and they would come up with these sort of meaningless marketing phrases and terms about why they're different you know we're you know we help you scale faster or whatever right like these these, these terms that, that get used over and over and over again reality is is when you really dug into a lot of their customer experience um the things that they said they were really good at maybe they weren't that good at but there were a lot of other things that they were great at that that you know you could really tap into things like again if it's a technology solution it was all right well we got you know we, we have a metric or a, a number that nobody else has that we can really leverage and, and tie that back to you know all these other parts of our you know software experience um there's a lot of components of that that are really key so i think having a clear understanding of customer experience of the existing customer experience and kind of where you want to go really does define that edge um, and then it, 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 and then also gives you something to um, take advantage of and, and certainly um, create new opportunities from love it all right now this last question I have for you is what you call a layup it's so easy this is the <laughs> easiest question that you have had to deal with today Tell us where the name comes from, O3 World. <laughs> That's a great uh, name. It, it's funny. I, you know, I, we've, we've had a, a few different ways of describing this. Um, it, it, it is about three parts oxygen, right? So it's, it's a, these, mm -hmm. these three components of our business that come together, right? It is right. about strategy, it is about experience design, and, and it is about technology. And those three things are important to, if you sort of look at the three rings kind of coming together, um, those three things are critical to really creating uh, a successful solution for our clients and particularly in the digital realm. Um, they require that we have a clear understanding of uh, business objectives, customer insights, etc. They require that we're designing solutions that are easy, intuitive, um, that are delightful. They require that we have uh, a technology plan that allows our, our, our clients to scale um, uh, easily without you know a, a ton of extra investment, right? So if you really look at how those things come together, that's the the three parts that we uh, that we look for and 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 ultimately can deliver on. Excellent. I want to thank you, Mike, for joining us on Innovation and Audio. I hope you'll stick around uh, for a few minutes in case our guests that are listening have questions after our second interview. Does that sound okay? 
Sounds great. Thanks, Lloyd. Appreciate it. All right. So, so listen, if you haven't subscribed to the Encouragers Innovation and Audio podcast, uh, now's your opportunity, right? Uh, you are already missing out on great content every single week. We have a growing archives of shows that you just won't believe until you hear them. And of course, uh, it's all designed to help you improve the value of your career. Just like tonight, we're talking about these experiences with customers. Everybody has customers or they hope to have customers. Those experiences are maybe more important in some cases than your product or services. How are they experiencing you? While you are listening to this live event, make certain that you've joined the Encouragers here on the Clubhouse app and share what we're doing with friends in radio and audio and people who love innovation because we are serious about encouraging others. Follow the people on stage tonight and look around the room for others that you can connect with. A big part of encouraging you and your audio career is helping you engage in the process of networking. Find out what our guests are about every single week, including hacks to make your career better and certainly more innovative by subscribing to the Encouragers Innovation and Audio podcast. We have great guests uh, every single week, and that's where the podcast comes from. So you can meet our guests live on Clubhouse or subscribe to the podcast so you do not miss a thing. We have two podcasts. Did you know this? The Encouragers Innovation and Audio podcast and the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, and both are available on Apple, Spotify, uh, Audible, or wherever you get your podcast. A final note before we bring on our next guest, we do have a special event coming this Friday. This Friday, it's like two days away, okay? And if you're serious about programming, developing audience uh, with your radio station, or developing audience anywhere with music itself, or you just want to be the best music director in your market, uh, this is a must-attend must live event. Make time for the Friday night live event with Guy Zapolian, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific music research rotations. We will break it down for you. Music, music discovery, research, and rotations then and now with Guy Zapolian. He is definitely thought of, if not the definitive soloist expert he is certainly in the top tier of the people who have dealt with music and ratings over the last 40 to 50 years. Skip Dillard is with us, by the way, from WBLS and Hot 97 in New York City right now on Innovation and Audio. By the way, I always like to ping him with this. He's the inventor. This idea of Innovation and Audio came from Skip Dillard. Skip, who do you have for us this week on Innovation and Audio? Well, very, you know, excited to welcome who I consider a good friend, known him for, for many, many years. We'll get into how we know each other in a few. But, um, you know, just always uh, been an inspiration. He's been able to build a very successful business on both sides of the border uh, from Toronto and living now in the United States. Mike, how are you tonight, man? Uh, I'm doing great, Skip. Thank you for uh, having me on here. It's great to great to be with you. Man, no, it's great to have you. Absolutely. And I guess we'll, we'll start out. Just tell me a little bit about, about your business, the services you provide and some of the things you're into. And, and you know, we'll, we'll go from there. Yeah. Um, well, I do a lot of uh, uh, I, I, I do a little bit of everything. Um, um, a lot of the focus of my work is radio imaging clients. I do uh, some local affiliate TV. I do some network promo stuff on the national level. Um, 
And as you know, I got my start in radio doing uh, production. I was a production director at Arrhythmic CHR in Toronto back in the 90s. Um, and I always heard the imaging guys come through the speakers and it always blew me away. And so I would gravitate more towards a production room uh, versus the on-air studios. That was sort of my haven. And uh, eventually I got a production gig and just started pursuing voiceover work um, after a stint of doing production. And uh, that's, the, that's the short version. <laughs> so, you know, of course, we, we've been, Mike, dealing with, you know, just the, an unprecedented, uh, you know, pandemic over the past uh, 19 months now. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of friends of mine in, in production and imaging, uh, you know, they got hit fairly hard with less work. Uh, you know, I knew a couple that took 20, 30 percent less money over the last number of months. Have you seen us start to rise out of this thing? I mean, is this business starting to come back again? I feel like TV has recovered a little quicker than radio. Um, I've found that the recovery for radio was slow um, with some stations. Others and other markets seem to recover more quickly. Um, I guess revenues are affected on a local level with the local buyers. Um, so it's it's been kind of all across the board. Um, I was I was a victim of some of those retainer cuts, so um, I know what that <laughs> has felt like, and it was a little bit tough. Um, but some stations recovered quicker than others, and um, you know, radio always takes a beating. You know, it's, uh, it, it's a medium that is awesome, and I love it, and I've always loved it, but it, uh, it, it always seems to be up against so much competition. There's just a flood of content from every direction, especially in this day and age, you know, with the different streaming services and those things. And so when the pandemic hit, it was just like another blow to radio, and um, some stations suffered more than others, I think. Yeah, I mean, and 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 I, I totally agree. I mean, you know, the TV industry, of course, they you know now have so many other uh, you know ways to uh, affect revenue on a national level and network level, and you know, radio is uh, depending on you know where you are market wise, um, you know, definitely it's a little more scattered and in, in, in terms of. Uh, you know, how things are bouncing back. So, you know, let's hear a little bit of your work, man. I mean, we I listen to your stuff all the time, and I love it, and love, love if you could play us a few samples here. Sure. News Talk 1290, CJBK. We're today's talk radio with the power of CTV, London's largest newsroom. Go beyond the headlines into the stories that affect you and your world. Would you support layoffs and let's feed on the street? Yes, I would. We bring you the news. Malaysian airliners jet believed to have been shot down over eastern Ukraine. Make you a part of it. There's been an extortion attempt, and I'm mad as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore. Informative, engaging. News Talk 1290, CJBK. Your world just became more interesting. Listening to the all-new 94.1 The Wolf could earn you $1,000. Listen at 7 a.m., 11 a.m., 2 p.m., and 5 p.m. each weekday for the $1,000 cash keyword. This is Memphis's new country. The all-new 94.1 The Wolf. 
Tim Hortons freshly brewed coffee pairs perfectly with a bagel sandwich. And now you can get two bagel sandwiches with savory sausage, egg, and cheese for just $4. Or two English muffins. Or one of each. That's, uh, that's sort of a quick rundown. So some imaging, um, some commercial in there as well. I hope you guys heard that okay. Yeah, no, it came through loud and clear, man. It was great. it was great, you know. And um, I, I always laugh about how we met, and it it still blows me away to this day. I I, I think that I don't know if Guinness Book of World Records needed to have, have come down to Buffalo. Um, <laughs> you know, like you were, I, I came to the station, and they said, "Yeah, I want you to meet our new uh, intern, my girl. Met you, nice guy, like him." go about my business. Someone said, yeah, you know, he drives. So I said, where does he live? Is he here in Buffalo? Oh, no, no. He drives down from Toronto for his internship in the evenings. I said, wait a minute. He goes through Canadian customs, U.S. customs, <laughs> and then goes back through Canadian customs to get back home? I, I, I think you're one of the first uh, international uh, interns. And, and I, I just wanted to know, like, because I never really, really, we never discussed it, like, how did you make contact and and say, hey, I'm in Toronto, but I would like to come down across the border and, and intern at, at night when I get off of work? How, how did that even come about? Because that was before I got there. Um, yeah, I, uh, I was stubbornly persistent. So um, it took a lot of phone calls and not returned calls. I was the only time, the only day part I could work in was sort of the late evening slot so as you know there was a quiet storm show uh from 10 to 2 uh mm -hmm. sunday through thursday or whatever it was yeah and yeah. so i called the uh the host of the quiet storm at the time debbie sims wow. and debbie did not pick up her phone man like she never <laughs> picked up her phone um i understand jocks can't always be grabbing the calls i get that um you know i, I was calling on the request line and so one time she finally picked up and I expressed an interest in coming there, and she was kind of like, uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, let me think about it, and let me let me talk to my to my program director. And I think that was before, yeah, that was before you, Skip. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and then I didn't hear. I, I left her my number. I didn't hear anything back. Um, and I wanted this. I wanted this so badly. I mean, I'd listened to WBLK for years. Um, I really gravitated towards the urban format. I mean, that's the kind of music I liked and that's what I wanted to work in. And at that time, Toronto didn't have an urban station, which is ironic because now they yep, have two yep. of them. They do. But, <laughs> yeah, but back in those days, um, it was a lot of AC, hot AC. Um, there was, I don't even think there was really a CHR that was metro like in the city yeah, at that yeah. time. Um, and I just, I didn't want to do those formats at that time um, you know I was a kid and I was eager and I wanted to work in the format I loved and um, eventually I tracked Debbie down I kept calling and she um, she called me back and her hesitancy she told me after the fact after we connected was that she'd never had an intern before so she wow. just didn't know if that's something she wanted to do but it, it worked out well and um, you know we got along and I mean for me it was it was kind of like a dream come true just for a, you know, a, a young kid that had been listening to the station for so many years and then suddenly I was helping out there. Um, it, was, it was a real thrill for me. Yeah, any, any surprises dealing with uh, you know, entering a, you know, a, a, a US radio station versus what you had encountered maybe in, in Canada? Any differences much? 
fatigue? Definitely, definitely. Um, Canada has a lot more strict regulations as far as musical content. And I don't know what the number is now, but um, when I moved out of Canada, I think they were nearing 35 or 40 percent um, Canadian music had to be played um, in the prime time hours. And though it offered more opportunity for artists at that time, mm-hmm. uh, it was very challenging for programmers. Um, I would hear program directors for years complain, um, trying to make things work, and especially in um, like CHR formats. You know, rock had a more traditional um, base in Canada at that time, and so you could pull up rock artists that were well known in the US and play the hits. But when you're getting into like more urban stuff at that time, it's a little different now. I think it's it's a lot more evolved than it was. Um, but I was I was kind of blown away at just, hey, we can just play the hits. <laughs> Doesn't matter the time of day. Like we can play the top 10, 20 charting songs. Whereas in Canada, um, the rotations were more challenging just because of the content rules. Sure, and yeah, you know, today you have Drake, Drake, Drake. So there's <laughs> yeah. You, you got plenty of Drake if you do an urban up there and several other artists that you can't get fit in. Week yeah. The weekend and, and many others. And, and it was funny, uh, Mike, I, I saw The weekend maybe about four or five, four years ago during his tour. So I go backstage and, you know, they bring me back to meet him and I say my name and he looks at me funny. And he calls his guy and says, oh, my God, Skip Deller, WBLK, you know, because, <laughs> you know, if you were Canadian at that time, BLK was the, as you talked about, BLK was the urban station. So I was surprised yeah. the number of artists Drake included, you know, uh, Al Wood, who later did The Quiet Storm on WBLK in Buffalo on his last double album. So yeah. he did a full break from him. And I was, you know, stunned and, and you know, amazing how you never know who's listening and and what people you know later on down the road you know who you may have influenced musically so it's really cool so Mike, i mean so many people you know i even get calls and voicemails you know with someone trying to demonstrate the quality of their voice that you know my aunt told me i should be doing voiceovers my girlfriend or you know my boyfriend told me i need to be doing voice voiceovers you know how do you cut through today man there are a lot of voices out here you've got podcasts you you know where do you start well i mean you got to approach it like a business um as far as starting um, there's pay to play services you can try online. Um, you gotta have a demo and, um, it's gotta sound good, but it's also gotta sound like what you can do. Uh, there's a lot of people that will get a demo done professionally. Um, and they'll get, you know, they'll be pretty green, like pretty new to the industry and they might be able to pull off a great demo but they might not be able to pull that performance off in a work situation and so make sure you can do what is on your demo um and and as far as cutting through i mean it's 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 like a sport you need training you need coaching and i think uh working consistently with some kind of coach when possible will help you evolve your craft it's it's essentially acting you know, there's that old term theater of the mind that we've all heard. Um, you're not dealing with video and visuals and physical presentation, but basically what you're doing behind that mic is you're acting. Um, you know, you're part of a story, you're part of a narrative, and you have to approach it that way. 
and you can use voiceover coaches. There's plenty of those. There's a, there's a wide spectrum of those available. Um, but you can also go to an acting coach. It doesn't have to be a voiceover coach. A good acting coach in LA and New York are full of them. Um, can also help you learn to articulate and build your craft and, and learn to study things like the writer's intention, uh, the writer of the script that you're reading, just to understand what needs to be communicated. And it's, I mean, for me, it's been a lifelong process. Um, there's, there's been a lot of growth in my career, but I still feel like I have a long way to go. I always try to approach it as a student. Um, but that's sort of the way I approach it. Yeah, no, it, that definitely makes sense. And I think that, you know, many people, they don't realize, even if you have a, a, a nice voice, it's kind of like a singer. We, we meet a lot of people that sing well. And, I you know, God knows, working in radio, you're always asked to judge a talent show locally here and there. And very often, you know, everyone will remark uh, about a certain singer and, oh, my God, she or he are just out of this world. And you know, I'll sit back and really say, wow, but imagine, you know, what they could do with a little bit of coaching. And and sometimes I think, Mike, you just hit on something that most people miss out on. You you need teachers, you need mentors, and it's not just opening the mic and reading a script, but, but really learning how to, you know, be the best at it or as good as you can be. I wanted to, you know, definitely take a couple of minutes because I've, I've listened to a couple of episodes of your podcast and, and I find it excellent. You have a passion for not only physical health but mental health and and tell me a little bit about your podcast the name of it and and you know how, how it came to be yeah well it's called the natural man podcast um there's a video version on youtube and you can also find it you know in where you find most podcasts and uh what inspired that idea was uh that i had run into some health issues um some years ago and um i got caught in this web of um, physicians that weren't really um, helping me, they were medicating me, and I wasn't getting better, and I wasn't finding the answers. And in that journey, um, I just sort of tried to stick with it and try to eat a holistic diet, um, you know, try to keep a, a good diet, not go too high with sugars and, and more harmful foods. Um, and I met a lot of amazing uh, practitioners through this journey, especially through my moves, having lived in Toronto, having lived in LA, um, now in um, the Phoenix area. Um, I've met amazing doctors in all those cities and I hit it off with them so well that I stayed in touch with a lot of them. And I was just sort of a sponge for this stuff. I mean, I loved it, it was inspiring. Um, and I, I always was interested in pursuing um, how to live as optimally as I could, and I've in no way mastered it. But um, I, I said to my wife, I, I need to communicate this somehow. And so this is how the podcast idea was, was born. And I put the feelers out with a lot of these different doctors. Hey, would you come on if I, if I did this podcast? And they were like, yeah, I mean, they were game. And so that's where the idea was born. And um, you know, it's a work in progress. Um, I've only been doing it a year. Um, I still need to get more content up there, but uh, you know, it's the subscriber base is slowly growing. Um, but that's that's sort of the rundown of that, Skip. That's great, man. No, I mean, it, and you know, you touch on so many important issues. And you know, as men, we're probably the last ones to admit 
you know, whether it's whether it's physical or mental, you know, I mean, a, 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 you know, I have a lot of friends, you know, it's like over the years, especially in, in our radio and, and, you know, in television, I, you know, and I sit there and, you know, be having sitting around having dinner and drink somewhere and all of us are talking and, you know, once in a while you hear, yeah, you know, I suffered from depression and I'm like, nah, that's not possible. And, you know, or. I, uh, you know, went through a bout with this or that or, you know, and, and, you know, guys are usually we just like to be self absorbed and we'll, we'll handle it. We'll deal with it. But, you know, I just commend you for, you know, sharing your knowledge with, with others. It's, it's so important, man. And okay. uh, yeah, man, but to, to wrap, you know, I mean, you've listened to a whole lot of radio and still do, um, you know, what makes you say, Hey, radio is, this is radio at its best. What, 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 clicks all your boxes skip i think it's human connection um that's something the competition often doesn't have so as great as these streaming services are and i'm not gonna lie i i use them um they're fantastic but i think the human connection in radio helps you know that whether it's that effective morning show um or or just the the approach and the execution of a radio station um you know one thing that I've noticed too is I work in a lot of I work for a lot of small market radio stations and medium market stations and one consistent thing I hear from the the PDs and operation managers in these markets is just their connection to their local communities. Um, I had one station that once described to me how my voice, because I'm the imaging voice of that station, it's it's become a fixture in that community mm-hmm. because um, I've voiced that station for so many years and so. They'll get me to do fun promos and they'll get a lot of feedback from the community like, oh, you got the voice guy to say A, B and C. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and I think when you're in those smaller communities, there is less competition. Like mm-hmm. I know, Skip, you work in a large market. You know, there's markets like Chicago and L.A. where there might be, what, 30, 40 stations within that. Or metro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so there's just this like plethora of. Um, different options but when you're in those smaller communities sometimes you only have like one FM or one AM and you know small markets really tend to monopolize their audiences and they can really take advantage of that to stay relevant um, and, and I think that's something that where they continue to thrive on that level and I think because because radio is so you know when it's executed properly in my opinion when it's just woven in with that human connection and letting jocks, um, you know, be themselves, um, you know, to a point, obviously you need rules and you need restrictions, but, but yeah, but letting that human connection breathe a little bit, um, I think goes a long way. And that's why radio has just been so resilient, even with all that it's had to face over the years. Yeah, no, man, I, I totally agree. Mike, tell them how they can reach you, man. Anybody want to reach out to you and inquire about business or just kind of get to know you? Yeah, it's uh, uh, MikeGoral.com, M-I-K-E-G-O-R-A-L.com. You can email me also, Mike at MikeGoral.com. I'm also repped by uh, Atlas Talent in uh, um, L.A. and New York, so you can reach me that way as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, Skip. Thank you, man. Thank you so much, Mike. And um, if you can stick around a couple minutes in case anyone has any questions, 
Uh, Lloyd, sure. back to you with Mike and Mike. <laughs> Man, I really hope that you can see why we brought these two mics together. They're both talking about experiences. They're both talking about humans. It's very interesting to see the divergent view of that with both of them. Listen, when you show up here for one of our live events, we do ask that you like our group, the encouragers, share it with others who you know love innovation or audio. It's, it's how we get people to learn about what we're doing because Clubhouse is new and we're new, but we are passionate about helping you move forward. Don't forget to follow people on the stage during this event. Look around the room. We're big believers in connection, in mentoring, in networking on the encouragers. Thank you for being here and for participating in our live events and telling others. We are going to open up the room uh, in case you have questions for our guest right now or anybody on our panel. You can just push the button at the bottom of your iPhone or Android device to raise your hand. It's, uh, it's the one with the little hand on it, right? And we do ask that you mute your microphone if we call you up to the stage until we call on you. By the way, when you do join the encouragers, we want you to know that we do have people who come just to listen. We want you to know that's okay. Our goal is to provide you with interesting content and advice, career hacks to move your career forward and to encourage you. But we don't mind sharing the stage with you if you're so inclined. So we do like to at least extend that offer to you each Wednesday. Don't feel pressure. You have to talk, though. This is a safe space for everyone. Don't forget, coming Monday, you can join us at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, for the radio rally. That's our Monday live event on Clubhouse right here in the Encouragers. Monday, October 4th, Broadway Bill Lee will be here from WCBS-FM in New York City. And he also will be joined by Brooks O'Brien. Now, you may not know that name right off the top of your your lips, if you will, but uh, Brooks is with KSON San Diego and KKWF and has some pretty interesting roles in both of those very large and dynamic markets. Tell your friends in innovation, audio, or specifically radio that they can get our free resources anytime at rainmakerpathway.com. It's in our free blog section. If you have a special challenge, you would like some strategic advice, uh, we're unlimited in that area. Please simply email me for a free and confidential consultation, FORD at RainmakerPathway.com. Uh, we do uh, have an opportunity to ask some questions. I'm going to start uh, by asking Mike at O3 World. Listen, buddy, um, you said a lot of things tonight. I, I have a kind of a tough question for you that, well, all right, it would be tough for me. I think it'll be easier for you. Uh, at O3 World, are you more excited about technology and the speed at which technology is changing than your clients? In other words, do you find that sometimes your clients are fearful of technology or you feel like they're shoot? Uh, that's an interesting question. Um, I think technology has become a foregone conclusion for most clients. I actually think part of the challenge is getting them to recognize that technology isn't always the answer. Um, I've 
find that making sure again we're an experienced company so so this is just part and parcel to how we work but getting them to focus on the outcomes of what they're trying to do before they get to technology is really important because what you get is a lot of times yes. clients are like hey we just want to go invest you know a million dollars in this crazy technology and and see what happens and and that's that's crazy to me. So like, you know, I, I well, because I, that's, because that's not the business you're in just no. having clients do crazy things. You want there to be results because you want them to come back to you. Right. Well, I don't want their, their businesses to be successful. That's right. But, yes. but I think the, I think what you'll find is there's probably less resilience towards technology and more resilience towards the idea that, Hey, you know, you, you need to approach this a different way. You need to think about this more iteratively. Think about it from a standpoint of, you know, what are the results you're looking for first um, and then get to technology when, when you get to that. And matter of fact, even when we talk about technology solutions, we, we, um, we look to architect uh, around scalability and flexibility. Um, I think right. those are critical, right? Like I, I don't want anyone to be tied into this like crazy investment for too long um, because technology advances so quickly you need to be able to pull something out and put something new in at some point so uh, so again you know more directly like I, I just don't think it's as much a, a reluctance I, I think it's just a, a matter of you know making sure their expectations are set around outcomes and expectations therein I love your whole approach, Mike. I got to be honest with you, and I appreciate you being on here with us. Uh, you know, before we started, we had Mike and Mike on. And if you weren't here before we started tonight's live event, I was ca I was calling one or the other other Mike. So other Mike now, when it comes to the world of the wide, wide world of voiceover in television, radio, and and other kinds of clients. Do you find that the business of human voice as technology advances with such a, a ferocious non-human pace, do you find that human voice, the voice of being a human voice in your business is more important than ever? I think so. Um, you know, when I was speaking earlier, I talked about how uh, there's just this overwhelming volume of content around us. And I just think that you know, proper, proper communication is more important now than ever. And if you're listening to a voiceover somewhere, whether it's on television or radio or whatever it is, and it's not being communicated effectively, or that voiceover artist or announcer has not taken the time to really understand what they're reading, um, I think it will impact the message. And um, I just think that it's important to know what you're saying and be clear with your message, just like any good marketer will tell you. Um, right. And that's where casting and production comes in also to make sure they pick the right voice mm. for their message. You know what I mean? Back to, back to that being an actor thing. I love that you did that. Okay, that pointed out it's not just being a voice, it's being that actor that's important too. Absolutely. All right. So I have just brought a young lady up on the stage and I, I'm going to have to be frank here. I'm not really sure how to say your name. So we're going to start with that. You're going to tell us how to say your name and then we'll, and then we'll get to your question. How about that? That sounds amazing. And the pronunciation is Kajenwa. So you almost Kajenwa. Yeah. You mean I almost had it by not saying it? That, <laughs> that sounds, 
that is what I'm an expert in right there. When I see something, I'm like, oh, my God, I've got to get some help here, right? So do you have a question for somebody on our panel? Well, a little bit of comment and then a question, just uh, appreciating the session tonight. And, of course, so, so, so much love to my buddy Skip, who pinged me into the room and um, just reminiscing with you all, Mike Garral as well, on that Toronto to Buffalo commute, you know, that, you know, when, when it would come in a little bit more crisp on the BLK, like just as you were getting across the Rainbow Bridge, and then you'd be like, oh my God, this is the latest Van Dross. Or Anyway, just, I, I literally went on a journey. Um, so thank you for that. And Absolutely. my, yeah, my question was, um, you know, how do you stay up, right? So for those of us who are trained, sometimes you have to jump on air, but meanwhile, something tragic has happened or you're an empath and you're connecting with so many difficult stories and then having to show up, right? Uh, you know, with game face and still up, right? So I just wanted your perspective on on that. Well, I mean, I'll start real quick. I mean, I, I was on the air 9-11 uh, by the way, Kajin was a good friend. She's uh, Toronto as well, so I do. I do. Uh, I was hoping some of this would ring home with you, but no, I was. I was on the air WBLK in Buffalo uh, on on nine eleven on the in the afternoon. We had had uh, bomb threats, a lot of copycats. Um, that was a nine eleven story, not told around the country. A lot of idiots and nuts just came out of the woodwork and started calling in bomb threats, at, and we had one at Buffalo City Hall, and and you know the. Uh, he's now mayor, uh, Byron Brown of Buffalo. He was uh, in the city council and he came to the station. We shut the music off and we talked about what happened. We talked about the fact that, uh, you know, not just were we dealing with what was going on in New York and Pennsylvania and Washington, D.C., but we weren't sure what was going to happen because Buffalo City Hall, a thousand people were standing uh, in the circle outside of the building and had been evacuated. And it was just the absolute worst day, but you know, continue. I think for me, it was the idea that I was able to give people actionable information to connect with them, to attempt to calm them. And and there wasn't music. There was you know no music we could play because everything was, you know, we were hip hop and R and B, and everything was lovey dovey, or it was you know kind of. Uh, you know, rough. And so we just, I had to just take the music off and just talk to people. I, I, re, I you know, had a CNN feed in, in the studio and just reconnected with the latest up to date breaking news. Um, and as well, talk to as many people locally as we could uh, open the phones. I mean, sometimes you, you can't pretend you just have to pivot and, and be ready to deal with it. I've heard, you know, morning shows that, were syndicated and and you know we've had several instances where the syndicated show did not get on things quick enough and uh you know they lost their syndication so you know it, it's always about being prepared and you know sometimes you you can't sugarcoat something you can't get up and and act like it doesn't phase you um you know i teared up on air and I knew everybody else was tearing up, so I didn't care. It's like, damn it, we we got to deal with this. We're going to deal with it. We're going to keep a calm head. We're not going to lose uh, sight of the fact that you know there's you know going to be a lot uh, of pain to come, and and you know let's start dealing with this together. 
Mike, do you have something for us on that subject? Because you're you're a little bit more remote, but still, it still matters, right? No, absolutely. And uh, yeah, Congenua, uh, thank you for that memory of the Rainbow Bridge and BLK just booming when you crossed it. Um, I'm, I'm in memory lane just thinking of that. But yeah, as far as, I mean, for me, just because of the diversity of my client base, um, for me, I think it's just like a muscle that you work. And what I mean by that is I have to switch gears so many times throughout the course of my workday. Um, I got to read sometimes a somber promo, um, you know, something along the lines of what Skip was describing that terrible afternoon. Um, and then the next script on my screen might be for, you know, the state fair or, or something exciting and happy. And after just doing it for so many years, um, it's something that comes a lot easier now. I think it was more difficult in the beginning um, because I'd have, I'd be doing one read and then I'd pick up something for another client and read it the same way as the last read and just sort of missing the mark on what the client expects. But you eventually just sort of get into a zone, I think, after having enough experience, I suppose. Um, I never really thought about it. It just kind of happens because it's what I have to do all day. Oh, yeah. uh, you just learn, yeah, you learn to just switch gears and it's like, okay, this is what this calls for. This is what I do. So everything I come at, I try to come at with a fresh perspective. Okay, I'll read the script over, try to understand what it says, look at the producer's notes, um, and just follow the direction. And I hope that answers the question. Man, I think that's a great answer. Listen, we do try to keep things to just about an hour. We've gone a little bit over tonight. Our thanks to Mike and Mike for today's live event, for being such great, patient, and giving guest for us. A special thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers Innovation in Audio podcast, which will be available in within minutes of the end of this live broadcast anywhere you get your podcast a thank you to justjoeproductions.com for creating audio footprint and distributing those podcasts please do share our podcast the encouragers the radio rally and the encouragers innovation and audio podcast with others that you know are interested in growing their careers in audio both podcasts are available on apple spotify audible or wherever you get your podcast please do remember this be kinder than you have to be and thank you for being a part of innovation and audio with the encouragers good night